preached a message last week which is part of the series, Are You Building a Memorial? Are You Building a Memorial? As we were worshiping, just before church started, the team was worshiping up here and Haiti came up to say hello. She's been away visiting family and she's back. It's great to have Haiti back. And Haiti would always ask me how my mom is doing. And as soon as I saw Haiti, I started thinking of my mom who passed away only maybe two months ago at the most now. And I was thinking about her and got a little emotional. And uh, that's before Haiti even started talking about her. And I was thinking about my message and thinking about my mom and dad. They are a memorial in my life because they taught me to love God with all of my heart. You see, they built memorials in their life. They served God with excellence. They served God with passion. And I'll be honest with you, as a preacher's kid, I saw them get kicked, bit, not literally, uh, but I've seen them go through a lot of criticism, people questioning their motives. I've watched them weep as they got on their knees and prayed for members in the church. I watched them give up, in a sense, their own freedom to do whatever they want. Because they took on a yoke to plow God's field. And they did it with joy. And they did it without regret. And they did it at great cost. And while they were building <laughs> their own memorials, they left a memorial for me to see. And it affected me. It inspired me. It charges me. And it, they've inspired me to live a similar memorial. So I ask you, what is the memorial that you'll leave behind when you're gone that your kids will think of? What is the memorial that you're building that the world will see? The question is, are you building a memorial? And if it is, if you are, is it just a memorial of income? Is it just a memorial of material possessions? Because we know those things will burn up in the fire as everything we've ever done goes through the test of the fire when we stand before God. And the things that cannot burn up, the things that speak of integrity, the things that speak of sacrifice, the things that speak of a noble purpose, the things we do that are bigger and better than what we would have done out of our flesh. These are the things that will last. These are the things that are incorruptible. And so I'm asking you today, as God put this series on my heart, are you building a memorial? And if you are, is it to yourself or is it a memorial to God? I've read this passage a number of times and I'm going to read it again. <clears throat> because when you've got something good, 
You partake of it again and again and again. I love playing around in the kitchen. And every time I come up with a recipe, there are a few that go straight in the garbage. <laughs> but when you come up with something good, you eat it again and again and again. In Acts chapter 10, I shared on this a number of times, and I just want to paint the canvas with a, a background color, and then we're going to put a picture on top of it, and this is the background color. At Caesarea, King Herod the Great built this city. It became a great port in Judea. He built it to the Caesar of the Roman Empire to impress him, to garner favor. He built a whole city, Caesarea. It was magnificent. And at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. This man not only had charge of many, many soldiers under him, he was stationed in a very important Roman stronghold a city that was built to be a major trading port. The coming and going of Roman troops as well. And this man, the Bible says, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Now you know, and I've read it over and over again, that God sends an angel and this man has a vision, and God says, Cornelius... Your lifestyle has created a memorial in heaven. But I want you to see something. That when we create memorials in heaven, we're also creating memorials on earth. If you look at that passage, it says he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. These are people that were Romans. They believed in many gods. And Cornelius had converted to the Hebrew faith and believed in Yahweh. But not only did he believe, he gathered his family around him. It says he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. What kind of a memorial are your children seeing every day? What kind of a memorial are you building for your family in regards to attending and fellowshipping and worshiping in God's house? What kind of a memorial are you building at home? Is your Bible nice and big and a great place for gathering dust? I remember watching my mom and dad always opening up the Bible either one of them on their own, reading the word of God. I don't know how many times I've caught my dad at the foot of his bed praying. And how many times I'd see my mother by herself praying at the foot of her bed before she starts her day. They built memorials that spoke to me and spoke to my brother's that this God is truly alive and he is worth serving and honoring. They went to the ends of the earth, literally. They went all the way to the bottom of the earth where everything's upside down and moved their family to Australia to serve God. 
Cornelius and his whole household. What memorial are you building in your house? Does your memorial say when it's tough, when it's difficult, when it's inconvenient, you don't need to be in God's house? Don't get offended yet. There's a lot more coming. What's inscribed on your memorial stones? Somebody upsets you at church and so you don't come? Is that what your kids are reading about your life? Don't tell me they don't overhear conversations you have. They overhear it and they are smarter than what we give them credit for. And they see us now lagging and not going to church. What memorial are you establishing in their lives? Husbands. Are you setting an example for your wife and are you being the one that inspires her to serve God and to love God and to run after God? Are you being the ball and chain around her feet? And women, don't turn to your husbands right now and don't nudge them. And women, are you being a memorial of a wife who responds with kindness and gentleness and reverence for God? Or are you going to take up your vow to be a part of the liberation movement and fight for your rights? My rights are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ, I willingly now forfeit my life. When people want to criticize me, and they do, I won't stop preaching and I won't stop loving and I won't stop getting excited in the pulpit. Amen. What kind of memorial are you building for yourself? Because what's visible on earth is visible in the heavens. Cornelius had built a memorial that God took note of. But before even God takes note of, we need to take note that his wife, his kids, everyone around him, his whole household were devout and God-fearing. So it wasn't just what Cornelius did. It was the lives immediately around him that he was impacting. Come on, church. We are living in a world that is, has forsaken God. We are living in a world that is full of all kinds of debauchery and sin. Isn't it time for the church of Jesus Christ to be everything that God believes it can be? Let's take hold of our lives. And live our lives in such a way that we are building memorials on earth and in heaven. Can I get an amen? amen? It goes on to say, he and his whole family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, that was one of the prayer times. Three in the afternoon, suddenly he sees a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, people want God to talk to them. The best time to 
get God's ear and to have God talk to you is when you're living a life of regular prayer. Cornelius was in his pattern of regular prayer and God opens the heavens and he sees a vision. He saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. I mean, can you imagine? Here's this rugged Roman centurion. He didn't get to the top and become a centurion by having lost one fight after another. No, this guy was a scrapper. You know what I mean by a scrapper? Do you use that expression here in the States? This guy was a bull. He was an ox. He was a fighter. You wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. No. And he sees this angel. <laughs> and suddenly this Roman centurion is full of fear. This angel would have been every bit nine foot tall. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Church, I believe that God has put it on my heart to preach this series and to call you, every one of you. This is not just another sermon. No, this is instruction. Step-by-step step instruction in our daily Christian walk. And God is saying it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to start building memorials that are evident here on earth and affect the people around us and they will be evident in the heavens. You see, this guy had created such a lifestyle of building a memorial that not only did his own family become God-fearing, they came out of a pagan background and his whole family was influenced by the memorials that he was building. But God chose to use this man and make him a memorial for the church. 2,000 years later, we are still telling the story of Cornelius. Not only did God use this man to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. This was the first, first serious occasion where the gospel comes to the Gentiles. And when Peter came down to Cornelius' house, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they started talking in tongues. And now Peter's theology was so mixed up, he says, uh, I had questions about whether to baptize them in water, and here God is baptizing them in the Holy Ghost. God, this man was such a fervent memorial maker that not only did God use him in the then as being the first household from the Gentile world to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but God set him up for perpetuity to be an example to the church of Jesus Christ. Wow! I want to be a memorial for my father here on earth and in heaven. God wants you to be a memorial here on earth and in heaven. 
Got a few less amens that time. Everybody said amen when I said I wanted to be a memorial. I said, God wants you to be a memorial. He wants you to be in his showcase. Just like Cornelius, God is still telling the story of Cornelius. And God wants to be able to use you in his showcase. When you learn how to live a memorial lifestyle. I want to read a verse that goes with today's message. I haven't read this verse in the last few weeks. And it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also. Everybody say, he's talking to me. God is talking to me. Come on, say it. God. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Stop. Because that's where we usually house. Stop. So I'm going to get you to stop there. Yeah. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Jesus lives in me. I am a temple of the Lord. And we stop there. Jesus is in my heart. I'm a temple. But God didn't stop there. The church has stopped there. Maybe you have stopped there. But God didn't stop there. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are still stuck on the fact that I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. Good. Get the needle out of the scratched groove in the record and let's listen to the next track because you're not just meant to be a temple that houses the Holy Ghost. You're meant to be a priesthood who offers spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I got about four. Four. You're allowed to have a hot dog afterwards. Can I get a bit more than four? You know what's wrong with America? Everybody wants to talk about what's wrong with America. And you have 10 million fingers pointing in 10 million different directions. I'll tell you what's wrong with America on the 4th of July. The church. Our pastors have gone too easy on us. They've given us Gerber baby food. (laughs) They don't want us to get upset. They don't want us to get offended. If you get offended, you might go down the road to somebody else's church. And God knows that won't sit well with me because he's my competition. Listen to me. You're here, so I've, 
I've got the right to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth for the next 30, 40 minutes. You're not meant to go to church and you're not just meant to be the temple. You're called into the priesthood and you're called to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And here was this Roman centurion. Plenty of responsibility on his shoulders. But he took on a responsibility that probably no one told him to other than his heart and his love and his passion for God. There is no historical record in Scripture that anyone ever mentored this guy. But as an ex-pagan who realized that Yahweh, Jehovah, was a true God and the only God. He took on his shoulders not only the government of Rome, he took on his shoulders the responsibility of being a priest first to his family and to everyone he came into contact with. So what's wrong with America? The church. Because we've taught you to come to church. We've taught you, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we put a big fat period there. But Peter doesn't. He says you're meant to be a holy priesthood. And every one of you are meant to offer spiritual sacrifices. You know what a sacrifice is? It's something inconvenient. Sacrifices are bloody. There's a cost. Sacrifices are messy. It's inconvenient. Sacrifices. We offer spiritual sacrifices to God. I don't pray as much as I pray because I have a boring life. If I was bored, I could think of a lot of other things to do. I don't do the things that I do because they pay me. Because I was doing these things before I became the senior pastor of this church. Heck, I was running away from God. In Australia, I was overseeing 12 churches, pioneered four of them. I was running away from God. I came to America. My father passed away. I moved down to Florida, and I was like Jonah. I had jumped on a ship, and I was getting as far away from the ministry as I could. And four months after we were here, God reminded me that he had told us one day, we would pioneer a church in Tampa. And with my eyes wide open, I ran to Tampa. Church, where are you running to? Because God would like you to stay put and start building memorials. Memorials that people will see. Cornelius' family saw his memorial and it affected them. But heaven 
saw his memorial. Cornelius prayed and Cornelius helped people in the community, whether it was convenient or it was inconvenient. Peter has called us to be priests of a better covenant and to make spiritual sacrifices. So let's quickly move on here. And it says, uh, I made a comment last week and I said, are you still living in the outer court where they shed the blood of bulls and goats so that people's sins are forgiven? Most of the church is still living in the outer court where the Lamb of God was crucified. Our sins are forgiven and we're living in the outer court having a wonderful time while a few priests are ministering in God's tabernacle. Are you in the outer court? Are you just enjoying your salvation? Are you still living in the outer court where your sins were forgiven or are you progressively moving in to take your place as a priest and to live and serve in the holy of holies? If you can't write it down, you could take a picture of it. Are you still living in the outer court where your sins were forgiven? Or are you progressively moving in to take your place as a priest to live and to serve in the Holy of Holies? Last week I said there were two things that made up Cornelius' memorial offering. One was his life of prayer, and I preached on prayer. And second, and I'm going to touch this today, was his life of generosity. Generosity to the poor. And so I'm going to say, If you want to build a memorial offering, get last week's lesson and listen to the sermon about prayer. But today, I want to talk to you about the attitude that builds a memorial offering. Give generously. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You're poor? Then you've been given a very small measure. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you, but with multiplication. This is not just about money. Oh yeah, Cornelius gave money to help out the poor, to help people in need, to help people in the community that he was already overseeing. Here he was, a Christian man representing a heathen empire. But while he was on duty for the government of Rome, he was first and foremost on duty for the God of heaven. He was interceding for the poor people he would ride past on his horse every day. He was interceding and praying for the people that were suffering from injustice. And he was giving financial aid to people around him. People that were not his nationality. People who weren't from his culture. People that weren't related to his family. This was a man who lived to fulfill the purposes of God on earth. And while he was a Roman centurion and he was in the marketplace 
of being a representative of the government of Rome, he took his ministry into the marketplace with him. And every day of the week, this man dressed up in Roman soldier garb was wearing his ephod on top of it. He was wearing his priestly garments and they never came off. At night, he took off his Roman breastplate. He took off his belt. He put off his helmet. He put down his sword. But he'd go to bed wearing his priestly ephod. This is who we're called to be. Your Christianity isn't a final destination. <laughs> it's your eternal destiny. Can I get an agreement, church? Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering. How do we build memorial offerings? Be generous, not just in money. Be generous. Be generous in patience. Be generous in forgiveness. Be generous in kindness. Be generous in giving a helping hand. Be generous! They say an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So what kind of a child of God are you a reflection of? God is generous. God is generous in everything he does. As his child, are you generous? Or are you grumpy? Are you irritable? Are you the last one to show up and the first one to leave? Are you the last person that can be counted on? Are you the person that can always be counted on? Live generously. This Roman centurion had enough responsibility on his shoulders and under his belt. He was not only a policeman for Rome, but he was a guardian angel for heaven. He interceded for the people under him. He helped them out financially every which way he could and he sacrificed prayers before God on their behalf. Give generously in everything. Sometimes we live such decrepit lives. Everything is about us. I'm too busy. I'm too this and I'm too that. But then when we have a need, we want everyone else to be available to help us. As sons of God, let's look like him. I want to read a scripture, and that is in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting at verse, I think it's uh, 30, 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand them your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. You see, that's a generous spirit. 
But it's not just a generous spirit. It's a generous spirit when people are spitting at you. It's a generous spirit when people are abusing you. It's a generous spirit when people are trying to take you down. Hey, I never said there was anything ordinary about this priesthood. Everything about this priesthood is contrary to what is natural. I've learned the principle a long time ago. I can't walk in the realm of the supernatural while I keep living in a natural way. You will never step into the realm of the supernatural while you keep living out of natural responses. But when we respond in a way that is godlike, when we respond to abuse, when we respond to criticism, when we respond to uh, uh, manipulation, when we respond to criticism in a way that is supernatural, we don't respond out of our flesh, but we respond out of the grace of God. When you live in the natural world, in a supernatural way, you will start to walk in a supernatural world, in a natural way. Amen. Absolutely. In Matthew uh, 4, we're going to keep on reading. And it says, uh, if anyone uh, forces you to go one mile, go two miles. I call this the extra mile lifestyle. When we learn to live the extra mile lifestyle, we are learning to build memorials. You see, it's not the ordinary things that people remember. It's the extraordinary things that people remember. Can I get an agreement? Let's go on to the next verse. In 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is the extra mile. Do you think for one moment that Cornelius was loved and respected by everybody in Judea? He represented the Roman government. I wouldn't be in the least surprised if in the streets of Jerusalem they said, defund the police. Wouldn't be surprised if they resented the Roman centurion and the Roman soldiers. But this man could wear two hats. He could wear a hat that represented the Roman government, but wear a hat that represented the heart of God. Yeah, a little bit too quiet. Sorry, Dad. I'm, you know, I'm doing my best here. This is the material you gave me. Can I get an agreement? Amen. See, God didn't call you to be ordinary. He called you to be extraordinary. And why? How dare he call me to be extraordinary? I got enough on my plate. 
He called you to be extraordinary because he made you extraordinary. You are not just the seed of flesh and blood. You are born again of an incorruptible seed. You are a partaker of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. We are partakers of a divine nature. And if God has done all that in us, and he has, and then only expects the ordinary from us, he doesn't believe his own preaching. The extra mile is the mile you walk when people are spitting at you and you still do it to the glory of God. It's the mile you walk when you really don't want to walk it and everything in your flesh is saying, no, no, I don't want to, it's not fair. And you take on a higher motive and a higher reason than your flesh. I am a representative of the kingdom of heaven. I don't care how much they abuse me, misuse me, disrespect me. I'm going to keep living the life I'm called to live as a son of God. Amen. Whoa. Praise God. It was that extra hot dog put a few extra pounds on me. My leg got heavier and I didn't lift it as high. Let's keep going with this verse. You heard it. Uh, let me just reread what I read. Would you go back? You heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. Next verse. That you may be children of your father in heaven. <clears throat> in other words, so that you look like him. You smell like him. You act like him. You talk like him. He causes his, his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Let's go to the next verse. And if you greet only your own people, if you only greet people who are the same color as you, if you only greet people who walk like you, who talk like you, who act like you, who have the same interests that you do. You know, we, we find little, little groups, and they're not just color related, they're anything related. People who have the same political viewpoint as me. People who have the same sense of humor as me. There's nothing wrong with that until my group becomes a group of excluding others. There is no problem with associating and having company with people that fit into your realm of comfort, your comfort zone. But there is a problem when your comfort zone and your safe place becomes a place of exclusion to everyone else. 
as sons of God, we don't have that right. Because we are his children and therefore we have to live the way he lives and he is always all embracing. Can I get an amen? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? What are you doing more than the pagans? What are you doing more than the people in the world? Don't even the pagans do that? Let's go back to 1 Peter. Chapter 2 where Peter started us off. He's, look, if you don't like the sermon today, write Peter a letter. I've had enough emails and enough letters. Send it to Peter. He wrote this. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. The same chapter where he starts off by sticking his nose in our business and telling us that we're not just a temple of God. We're actually meant to be priests. The goal of this guy. Well, since he started the letter, let's go back to chapter 2 where we read that. And let's look at verse 19. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. Because they're conscious of God. It's commendable. It's memorial. Hint, hint. When people abuse you unjustly, but you respond righteously, it's commendable. It's memorial. That's how we build memorial offerings that our kids will notice. It's how we build memorial offerings that the world will notice. It's how we build memorial offerings that heaven will notice. And if they see it in the third heaven, let me tell you, the demons of hell will see it in the first heaven. Let the enemy know that he has nothing in you. And when people persecute you, rile you, or treat you unjustly, respond with God. Respond with Christ. Respond with the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't, we're just like everybody else in this world. Hang on a second. It's hard hearing, but good preaching, Pastor Rob. Verse 20. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good, and you endure it, this is commendable. This is noteworthy. This is a memorial before God. Praise God. To this you were called. Tony, you shouldn't have included that last verse. I mean, the whole sermon was hard enough as it was, but now we got to read, to this you were called. Church, to this we were called. 
We were called to live the exceptional life. We were called to live the extraordinary life. When we get pricked, when we get pinched, when we get punched, when our buttons are pressed, let Jesus come out of us. Hallelujah. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. Oh, that's why I can't rip my husband's head off his shoulders. That's why I can't spite my wife. Christ set an example, and I have to follow it. And Peter actually says that you should follow in his steps. I want to close with a story, a Bible story. Acts chapter 16, verse 22 to 28. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and their jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Next verse. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in stocks. Stop. Was Paul building his own enterprise? Did he set up a manufacturing company and as he went from city to city, he was raising up employees and paying them a measly sum of money. Is that what Paul was doing? Was Paul preaching the gospel everywhere he went? Did he get met often with jeers? Did he get met often with stones? Did he get left for dead on a number of occasions? Did he have to fate fight against Jewish people and against Gentile people and against demons on a regular basis. He just got whipped by Roman soldiers severely. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You know what the first thing I notice here? You see, in this culture and in every culture, one of the strategies of demons is to make us take offense at God. God, you really love me. Why, why is this happening? You could have done a miracle. You could have stepped in. Paul remembered the example that Jesus left behind. And he said, if I have to go through it a bit, and I'm going to go through it with Jesus and like Jesus. Hello? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Singing hymns to God. You know what that means? They were telling God how awesome he is. 
You know what we do on a regular basis? We tell God how he could do his job better. And how he should listen to my opinion. Because we wouldn't have gotten ourselves into this fine mess, Ollie. I'm sorry, I dated myself. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now watch. I'm going to close, but watch. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You know what Paul and Silas were doing? They were building a memorial here. Before we build a memorial there, we have to pass the test of building a memorial here. And as we build a memorial here, I can assure you, a memorial is rising up before God in heaven. And other prisoners were listening to them. Next verse. Suddenly. You see, a memorial is built when you step above the natural. You step above the ordinary and you dare to respond in an extraordinary way. A memorial is built not when you go the first mile, but when you go the second mile and somebody's goading you and sticking you and spitting at you all at the same time. You see, to live a natural life is to be the son or daughter of a corruptible seed. But to live an extraordinary life is when we step into sonship and we are living the life as sons born of a supernatural seed. Can I get an agreement? What credit? Yeah, give the Lord, give the Lord a hand. I'll take it when I can. <laughs> what credit? Do we earn if we respond like everyone else? If the unsaved can respond kindly, if the unsaved can be generous, if the unsaved at times can be noble, I said to you earlier, I'll tell you what's wrong with America, the church of Jesus Christ needs to smell more like Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ needs to look more like Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ needs to sound more like Jesus Christ. You see, when we build memorials here, they also appear there. But watch this. Verse 26, suddenly. Have you ever heard about the suddenlies of God? When we build memorials of extraordinary attitude, when we build memorials of exceptional, supernatural response, it triggers the suddenlies of God. <laughs> 
suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Not just Paul and Silas. Do you see what was in Paul and Silas? affected even the prisoners around them, even their chains came loose. When we, the church, when we, the priesthood of God, respond through the supernatural that is in us. It touches the supernatural of God and creates a portal for the power of God to come down. Would you stand with me? Everyone, can I have your deepest attention for three more minutes? Look at me. This is it. We are the church. God has already given and delegated his authority. His authority is here. And we want to see a greater Evidence of his authority and his power. But we keep living ordinarily. And in our daily walk, we respond just like those that are lost. And then we want to rule with God's scepter of authority. And we want to see the reign of his power. You are the priests of this church. We are the priests of God on earth. And I don't give a fig Newton who they put in the White House. I will still vote for the person I think should be there. But regardless of who gets there, I still trump them by who I am in Jesus Christ. When we pray, if we pray, if we step into a lifestyle of building memorials before God, how could he ever forget us? I believe God is calling the church and calling pastors to start preaching sermons will clean up the church not with condemnation not with fear of hell but with a soberness bringing the church to remember who we really are in Christ and that's the why that's the how 
That's the reason behind our ability to live extraordinarily. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, well done, you did what the unsaved people did. That was really good. I want God to be able to say, I want Jesus to be able to say, I could feel the spirit in my side again that day when you had preached your heart out and after years of building the church, people spoke negatively of you and you, you just prayed even more for them and interceded even more for them. One of the best compliments I've ever received. We went through a crisis in the church and every once in a while a spirit of offense tries to come into the church and people start taking offense for crazy things. And it was one of those seasons and there was a lot of criticism running around. And it was starting to affect my kids as well. And I heard my two daughters talking. And they said, let's do what mom and dad taught us. Let's kill our critics with love. I became 10 feet tall in that instant. Because somebody had noticed memorial stones that we had been building. Something bigger and something better is already inside you. The seeds of greatness and the seeds of God's character is in you. When you got born again, you are no longer just flesh and blood. Spirit can't give birth to spirit and it still remains flesh. You are flesh and blood and you are spirit of God's spirit. There is something unbeatable inside of each and every one of you if Christ is in you. Greater, far greater is the one who is in me the one who's in the world. Amen. So I don't address you as believers today. I address you as men and women who have been called to be priests. And that's everyone who confesses the name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's build memorials. And we'll start to have visitations from heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. As you close your eyes, if you're here today and you're feeling this compulsion that you want God in your life, you've never asked Jesus in your life or if you have but you've walked away and you want to make that recommitment while people are praying for you right now come on raise your hand and say pastor pray for me I want Jesus to come into my heart 
Raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to be born again. I want to accept this Savior as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to be born again of an incorruptible seed. Raise your hand if that's you. Those of you that are watching right now, you can raise your hand and say yes in your heart. For everyone who has done that right now, I want you to repeat this prayer. Church, everyone, repeat this prayer. Dear God, I am convinced that you love me. Jesus Christ, you are God. And you died for me. Today, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and live in me and live through me from this day forward. And I thank you, God, for receiving me as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. If the Word of God touched your heart today, give the Lord a clap offering. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.